Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you joining us online, thanks so much for uh, gathering with us. Thankful that you're still able to get together with us. My name is Corbin. I'm one of the pastors here and excited to dive into God's Word. Grab a Bible or a phone and open it up to Matthew chapter 11. We'll be diving in in verse 28. Before we do that, I just want to take a minute, like we've been doing most Sundays together, and I just want to remember what we're doing here. If you're joining us online, why you opened up your laptop got on our website and are watching this. Like, what are we expecting to happen in this time? We believe that Jesus is alive, that he has been raised from the dead, that he is here present with us by the Holy Spirit, and that as we open up his word, the Bible, that he wants to speak to us. Uh, Not just corporately or kind of in theory, like, But very specifically, we believe that as we open the word, he has words he wants to speak to you. And so what I want to do is just slow us down before we dive in. In every other part of our life, we're in a hurry. Uh, I know some of you like parked out on Colfax or you opened up the laptop really quickly and logged in or whatever. Um, Others of you parked up on top of the parking garage and you scrambled down and you got in and you were like, I don't need any bags, I'm not new here. You're new and they're like, here, take a bag, so glad you're here. And you rushed up in here, you dropped your kids off and they screamed and cried and you're like, I hope they're going to be okay. And it's like, everything's in a rush. And so what we want to do is we just want to slow down and we want to pay attention to Jesus. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you five seconds of silence, okay, as they just scream down in the lobby because they're excited to (laughs) be together. Um, I'm going to give you five seconds of silence. And in that five seconds, I just want you to ask God to speak to you, help you trust it, and give you a heart that's ready to obey. And then I'll come back and pray, okay? Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come that you would help us hear your word, uh, that you would help us trust your word, that it is good, um, and that you would help us obey your word so that we might live into all of the promises that you make in the scriptures and be renewed. Um, I pray that you would focus our minds on what you have to speak from your word today. We are expectant, we're looking to you to speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, excited to be together today. Last week, one of our other pastors, Jonathan, unpacked our first family value, the value of God's presence, that at the heart of the Christian gospel is the good news that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we, as sinful, broken, marred, rebellious people, are welcomed back into life with God, life in God's presence. We are given the gift of the Holy Spirit of God to empower us to live with God and obey Jesus. And this is not given to us based on what we do uh, to make God happy, but it's given to us based on our trust in Jesus's work in our place through his life, his death in our place, and his resurrection. We talked about presence, that we can know God. That's the goal of the gospel. And today we focus in on our second family value, the value of formation. Now, when we say formation, that this is what we value. I want to give you the big idea behind what we mean when we say that word formation. We'll put it up here on the screen. When we say that we value formation, here's what we're saying. That Jesus would form the way we live our lives more than anything else in the world. 
Okay? So when we come in here and we go, okay, we're about presence. We talked about that last week. We're about formation. We're saying, we hope that Jesus, his life and his teachings would form the way that we live our lives more than anything else. That the life and teachings of Jesus would form how we think, how we act, the decisions we make, and quite honestly, the whole trajectory of our lives more than anything else in the world. That Jesus would form our lives more than a career path. That Jesus would form our lives more than the money we might be able to make. That Jesus would form our lives more than the hobbies we want to pursue. That Jesus and his way would form our lives more than like family or family drama or being close to family. That Jesus would form the way we live our lives more than anything else in the world. So today's teaching is broken down into three parts. First, the promise of rest-filled renewal. Second, the way into the promise. And third, practicing the way of renewal in real life. We're going to get really, really practical with like how to actually follow Jesus and receive the renewal that he promises. So here's the starting place. We ready to dive in? Those of you in the room, ready to dive in? I feel like I'm, you know, a bunch of people just walked in. It's kind of like, I'm hitting you. I'm going fast, okay? Uh, If you're online, hopefully you're ready to dive in. Here's where we start. The promise of rest-filled renewal. The promise of rest-filled renewal. You know, when I first became a Christian, uh, when I was in high school, I thought that Jesus was out to ruin my life, okay? Um, You know, I kind of approached the Bible and all of the rules and all of the commands and all of the things that Jesus teaches in the Bible as just a total buzzkill, okay? I don't know if you felt this way about Jesus. Raise your hand if you felt this way about Jesus. You kind of look at the, you're like, man, I see all this stuff that Jesus commands, but I feel like it's just really hard to do and it's kind of a, uh, it's kind of a buzzkill. For a long time, I thought all of this Bible stuff was just a bunch of rules and laws that God wanted me to obey because he's God and it's right, right? It's like, why do we obey the Bible? I don't know, because God is God, and it's right. So just like, do it, you know? Um, Just like, here's what I wrote in my notes, suck it up and make it happen, you know? He's God. So just get over it, quit asking questions, and do it. But there's a big problem with thinking about God like that and thinking about God's word like that. There's actually a lot of problems, but I'll tell you what the main problem is. If you pay attention to what Jesus actually says, which, by the way, is a really good idea. Uh, It's a really good idea to pay attention to what Jesus actually says, not just like put things on him, okay? Uh, If you pay attention to what Jesus actually says, all of his teaching and all of his commands are actually the exact opposite of what we often think. Here's what I mean. All of these teachings, all of these commands, all of these laws are not there to kill our joy, but to actually produce joy. All of these teachings, all of these laws, all of these, all of these commands are not there to exhaust us through like religious activity, but they're actually there to lead us into rest-filled, renewing life with him. So whether you're you know, new to Christianity or you're exploring Christianity, you've been following Jesus for a long time, it's like, is that not what we are all looking for? It's like, man, I'm exhausted. Life is hard. I need rest. I need renewal. Jesus says, okay, come to me. I can give that to you. 
One of the places we see this kind of thing where it kind of changes how we understand Jesus is in our passage today. And I want to get into our passage and dig into our passage. And the first thing I want to show you is two promises in this passage that Anna read that stand at the heart of everything Jesus is trying to produce in our life. So we'll put this passage up on the screen. Jesus says this. He says, come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened. So it's like, okay, who needs Jesus? I don't know, but anybody who's weary or burdened. I don't know if you felt like that this week. I felt like that already this morning, okay? Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. Here's promise number one. And I will give you rest. Not I might give you rest. Not I'm going to try to give you rest. Promise number one, I will give you rest. He goes on to say this, verse 29, take up my yoke and learn from me because I'm lowly and humble in heart. And promise number two, same promise, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So here's where we need to start before we get into how to be formed by Jesus, how to obey him in all of life. Here's where we need to start. We need to see that Jesus is not out to ruin our lives through religious activity that's exhausting. He's actually out to invite us into a new and different way of living life that leads to rest. And what is the goal of rest? The goal of rest is renewal. This is what Jesus intends for us. I don't know if you've ever considered this idea of God's intentions toward you or toward us behind the way he asks us to live our lives in the world. Like, have you ever thought of this? Why does, why does God give us all of these commands? Why does God give us all of these rules? Why does God teach us to live in a certain way? What are his intentions behind all of this? Like I said, most people think that God's intentions are to kill our joy or make life miserable or make life harder than it already is by giving us a bunch of rules that feel impossible to follow. Like a lot of people are in that camp of like, like even followers of Jesus are in that camp where it's like, yeah, that's kind of how I think about God and his word. Like it's just kind of exhausting. But when we actually read Jesus, we see that his intentions in his commands are so different from what we imagine. He says the whole goal of every rule, every law, and every command is your rest and renewal. These are his intentions toward you. That he can lead you into rest, that he can lead you into renewal. So here's what that means. We have to begin to shift our perspective when it comes to God's word, the Bible. That we don't only want to obey God because it's right. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. It's right, so just do it. I don't know about you, but if I, if I ask like a boss and go, why am I doing this? And they say, it's right, just do it. That gives me a really bad attitude. It's like, well, what the heck, man? That's terrible motivation. We don't only want to hear God's word and trust God's word and try to obey God's word because it's right. We want to do it because it's better. And we will flourish as human beings in God's world as we learn to do so. The best way to think about this is to think about God like a really good parent. Uh, uh, I have two little girls at home. Uh, one's three, one's one. I call them the H-babes. They're my little baby girls. 
And uh, every once in a while, my little girls do things that I see from my perspective are going to turn out as really destructive to them. In fact, in the last 24 hours, there were probably a hundred times that they did something like this. You know, it's like they are little kind of like destruction machines and they always get into trouble and get hurt in almost every single thing that they do. You know, I could name all kinds of examples. And from my perspective, I can see this. So what do I do as a good parent? Well, I set up boundaries and rules and commands in our household for them to live within so that they can grow up and flourish as little girls and not destroy themselves. It's like, without me going, here are your boundaries, baby girls. From my perspective, if you live outside of these boundaries, you're going to get really hurt in life. And they go, I don't like that boundary. You're like, well, I'm doing this for your good. I'm doing this for your good. And in the same way, what God has done through his word is he has set up boundaries for us to live in so that we can flourish as human beings. Jesus says, I want to teach you how to live, how to carry the burdens of life differently so that you can find the rest and renewal that you're looking for. That's the goal behind all of Jesus' teaching, rest and renewal. Now, the reality is that sounds awesome, but how do we receive what Jesus promises? Like, how do we actually live into this? Some of you have been following Jesus for a little while like I have, and this isn't how you've actually experienced the Christian life. It's like everything in the Christian life has felt burdensome to you. It's felt like religious drudgery to you. And you're like, yeah, I hear you. I kind of see that where he's promising rest, but I have not experienced that. Or you're new to Christ- or the Christian faith, and you're like, man, but the Christians I know, it's like they're not living this like light, rest-filled life that you're talking about. So how do we actually do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Jesus actually teaches us. Surprise, surprise. This is called the way into the promise. Here's the way into the promise of rest, build, renewal. If we go back to the passage and you pay attention to the passage where Jesus makes this incredible promise of rest, filled renewal, uh, you will see that he actually surrounds it with three commands. And I want, to, I want us to pay attention to these commands. This is the way into the rest, filled promise. I've uh, made them bold and underlined here in the passage for us. Starting in verse 28. Command number one, right in the beginning, come to me. Come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened or weighed down by life, and I will give you rest. Command number two, take up my yoke. Now, what in the world does that mean? We'll talk about that in just a second. And command number three, learn from me, because I'm lowly and humble and hard and You will find rest for your souls as you do this stuff. And here's what you need to know about me, Jesus says. My yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Three commands right here. We'll put them on the screen. Jesus says, if you want rest-filled renewal, come to me. Take my yoke and put it on and learn from me. In other words, Jesus says, if you want the rest and renewal that I promise, the only thing that you have to do is allow me to form the way you live all of life. This is all it takes. It's 
That's all it takes. The image of a yoke, we'll put a picture of a yoke up here, uh, is an image that first century rabbis, Jewish teachers like Jesus, used as a metaphor for their teachings and their system of life. And so Jesus says, take my yoke, kind of like this, and put it on you. And I know this is a little bit of a vivid image, but you can imagine this like this. Imagine your head through one side of that, and Jesus Christ's head through the other side. Okay? This is what he's saying. So what happens? It's Jesus' yoke, so he gets the say. So when Jesus moves forward, we move forward. When Jesus moves backwards, we've got his yoke on, we're here moving backwards. When Jesus moves right, we move right. When Jesus moves left, we move left. Take my yoke upon you. Learn how to live all of life from me, and you will find rest. He's saying, come and put this teaching and system of life on, and let it lead you and guide you in how you approach and live all of life. Put my yoke on you. By the way, for those of you who are Bible scholars and like Bible nerd stuff, the yoke that Jesus is referring to in Matthew chapter 11, most scholars believe, is actually the Sermon on the Mount in, Matthew's, in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. It's his system of life, a system of teaching. I don't know if you've read the Sermon on the Mount recently, but uh, not easy to actually do that. Very different from the way The city and culture tells us to live. And Jesus says, but if you will come and put my yoke on, you will find rest. The image that we're getting here is typically called discipleship. Raise your hand if you've heard the word discipleship. This is a churchy word, religious word. It gets thrown around a lot, got a lot of baggage. It's like, what is discipleship? Well, I found that a more helpful term for the word discipleship is simply apprenticeship. That we would apprentice under Jesus and his teachings, and his way of life, and how to live all of life. Be formed by his way of life, and look more and more like him progressively through, over the course of our lives. I love the way John Mark Comer clarifies and simplifies this idea in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. We, we used this quote a couple of weeks ago when I was hitting this. We'll use it again here. He says this about discipleship or apprenticeship to Jesus. To be one of Jesus' disciples is to apprentice under Jesus. Put simply, it's to organize your life around three basic goals. And so here's what I'll say. He's saying, guys, this is what it means to call yourself a Christian, okay? If you call yourself a Christian, you should organize your whole life around these three things. Number one, be with Jesus. Number two, become like Jesus. And number three, do what he would do if he were you. Now, we'll stop right there. Don't you see the three commands from Matthew 11 all over that? Come to me take my yoke on you, and learn from me. This is it. It's really basic stuff. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what he would do if he were you. We'll move on in the quote. He goes on to say this. The whole point of apprenticeship is to model all of your life after Jesus, and in doing so, to recover your soul. To have the warped part of you put back into shape. To experience healing in the deepest parts of your being. To experience what Jesus called life to the full or what we're calling renewal. Now here's where the rubber meets the road. Here's what we're seeing here. We're seeing that Jesus' goal was not to just teach theology and philosophy and ethics. But it was to actually teach us how to live real life differently. Okay? 
Let me say it again for, for those in the back. Jesus' goal, that was a figure of speech, by the way. Jesus' goal was not to just teach theology or philosophy or ethics, but to actually teach us how to live everyday life differently, to change the way that we live. Now, here's why I'm like repeating that over and over again, because here's been my experience in the church. Do you know what Christians are really good at, and it's so stupid? It's like arguing about theology and philosophy and ethics all the time. But in the middle of that, we aren't nice. Like, we don't change. We're terrible people. We gossip about each other. And we suck. And it's like, if Jesus is alive, we have to like, it's not that theology and ethics and philosophy aren't important. Like, doing whole teaching on that in the fall through the Apostles' Creed. We're going deep on doctrine. We're doing all that. It's really important but not to the neglect of actually changing the way we live. Otherwise, our witness to this city will be ruined, guys. This stuff is so fundamental to what Jesus is about. It's so fundamental to what Jesus is about. Actually forming the way we live in all of life. Imagine that, that this is what Christianity is about. The one way I like to say this is, I think what Jesus is really after is deep character change over a long period of time that leads to deep life change. You look at this list, like in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. If you look at the fruit of the Holy Spirit, it's really a description of Jesus, the one man who's lived in the fullness of the Holy Spirit his whole life. And what are the fruit of the Holy Spirit? I don't have them because I'm ad-libbing this, I'm sorry. But they're things like, character things like, Love. That he changes from hateful people to loving people. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self control. Deep character change is what Jesus is after in your life. This is how renewal happens. Come and learn from me. Put my yoke on. Let me show you a new way of life. So here's the big pushback. Like, this is real stuff. Yeah, but Corbin, you can call me Corb. Have you ever seen what Jesus actually teaches? Like, I'm not going to give examples right now because we need to move on. All right, I went too long in the first service. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, love your enemy. Give your money away. Don't, people who curse you and gossip about you, don't curse and gossip back. Like, we could just go on and on. Have you ever paid attention to how Jesus teaches us to live? That's hard. Like, that's hard. You mean... I just think like we read the Sermon on the Mount and we don't actually think it's possible to obey it, so we just kind of dismiss it. Or Jesus' law, Jesus' commands, all of that. But do you know that Jesus actually taught that because he intended it for us to obey it and live like it? That's hard. Like if I do that, if I really press in to trying to follow Jesus, 
Like, that could cost me something. Like, it, just name it, that could cost me something. And here would be my response. Yeah, it will. To actually follow the real Jesus, according to the scriptures, is going to cost you a whole lot. In fact, it's probably going to cost you everything, especially living life and trying to follow Jesus in a city like ours that we love so much, where the way of Jesus and the way of the city are fundamentally different ways. It's going to cost us. It's going to cost us reputation. It's going to cost us time. It's going to cost us money. It's going to cost us so, so much. It could cost us relationships. This is why Dietrich Bonhoeffer, living in the heart of Nazi Germany in the middle of World War II, wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. And I know this is hard for us to wrap our minds around, but like, he actually died for his faith. Like he so was committed to being formed in the ways of Jesus that he would not give in to the powers that be and they killed him in a concentration camp. The guy that wrote The Cost of Discipleship. I've got a friend here in the city who's an Ethiopian church planter down in Aurora, out in Aurora and he leads a church planting movement in Ethiopia and every month they have pastors martyred for their faith. Every month in 2021. Pastors martyred for their faith. Wives widowed. Because these people are so committed to allowing Jesus to form, actually form the way they live in real life. And here we are going, I don't, I don't know, I mean, what are people going to think? I love the way Dallas Willard, one of my favorite writers, I've been reading a lot of Dallas Willard lately, he actually takes the cost of discipleship and the idea of the cost of discipleship and flips it on its head. And he says, yeah, you should consider the cost of discipleship, but he says you should also consider the cost of non-discipleship. You should also consider that to not be actually formed in the ways of Jesus will cost you something too. He says this in his book called The Spirit of the Disciplines. Proverbs 13.15 tells us that it is the way of the transgressor that is hard. Transgressor is extreme language. He's not necessarily talking about non-Christians only. He's talking about also those of us who are followers of Jesus but like don't actually do what Jesus said. Kind of like, I think our friends call those hypocrites. Not good things. (laughs) We don't want to be that. It is the way of the transgressor that is hard, according to Proverbs 13, 15. He goes on and says, We can also learn this by candid observation of life. To depart from righteousness, or that's a fancy word for Jesus' way of life, is to choose a life of crushing burdens, failures, and disappointments. A life caught in the toils of endless problems that are never resolved. He goes on to say this, Here is the source of that unending soap opera, that sometimes horror show known as normal human life. The cost of discipleship, though it may take all we have, is small when compared to the lot of those who don't accept Christ's invitation to be a part of his company in the way of life. Guys, my conviction is that if we're going to survive in this city, if we're going to survive in this world, we've got to stop messing around with empty religious activity because we just think it's kind of the right thing to do. 
and individually, we've got to go all in on formation. All in. Like, trying our best in the power of the Holy Spirit to actually learn to obey Jesus in everything that he said, whether we understand it or not. Knowing that as we do, it will produce rest. And so as a church, our second value is formation. That Jesus would form the way we live our lives more than anything else in the world. That's it. We've got to go all in, guys. We've got to go all in. Now here's the million dollar question. How in the world do we actually do that? (laughs) Like in 2021, leave here you got work tomorrow, you got friendships, we're busy. How do we actually, in real life, boots on the ground, allow Jesus to form the way that we live? Well, this is where I want to talk to you about practicing the way of renewal in real life. This is where I want to take this from like, that sounds nice, to I think that I have that, to oh, I think I can actually start to do some of this stuff, okay? So this is really practical. I want to introduce you to a tool that we're going to use all the time as a church in every environment that we have. Every teaching that we do here will follow this tool. Every community group discussion is going to be built around this tool. We'll call this tool the cycle of renewal, okay? And it's, this tool is based on all of Jesus' calls to follow him. It's based on the life cycle of the disciples in the scriptures. It's something that Mike and I have spent the last couple of months building together, going, man, how do we see formation happen in the church? Not just in theory, but in reality. This is how, according to the scriptures, Jesus forms us in the rhythms of everyday life. This tool shows how Jesus actually brings change into our lives and produces and can produce the rest and renewal that he promises. So we'll introduce you to this and I'll talk you through it and then we'll zero in on these four actions that we're calling the actions of renewal. So if we start in the center, we'll start in the center and move outward. The center of this whole thing is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit living inside of us is the power engine of renewal. We believe that, the God, that through the gospel, by faith in Jesus, we are forgiven for our sin. And the primary reason we are forgiven of our sin is not just to be forgiven, but it's to cleanse us, to make us a dwelling place fit for the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is the power engine of renewal. Without the Holy Spirit, we can see nothing happen. We move one layer outside and we see these four verbs. These are the ways we cooperate with the Holy Spirit to seek renewal in our lives. And there are four verbs, and I'm going to hit these in depth here in just a second. Hear, trust, obey, and speak. We start at the top, move down to the right. Hear, trust, obey, speak. Hear, trust, obey, speak. Hear, trust, obey, speak. Hear, I'm just kidding. I'm done. Sorry. You won't forget it now, hopefully. Let's sing it again. I'm just kidding. Um, Those of you online are like, this is so stupid. Um, You move one layer out. You move one layer out, and you'll see that the context of all of this is church community. Church community in the New Testament is the soil where all of God's renewing work happens. So what we're saying is that formation, all of this stuff that we've been talking about, happens in friendship. 
joining together with other people who are trying to chase after allowing Jesus to form you in the way that we, in the way that you live your life. So Holy Spirit, hear, trust, obey, speak, and then all of this happens in the context of church community. We don't want to try to practice these things alone. So let's zero in on these four renewing actions, okay? And this is where we're really going to press in. Um, We're going to spend a lot of time on this. You're going to hear this over and over and over again for years, okay? And so this is like everything we do as a church, all right? So we start with here. We start with here. The place that all formation starts is with hearing the living God. The thing that Jesus invites his disciples into over and over again is to come and hear him teach, to watch how he lives and be formed by his teaching and living. This is where formation starts. Come and be with me. Listen to me teach. Watch me live and allow it to form the way you live your life. Now, how do we do that in 2021? How do we hear Jesus now? How do we watch Jesus' life now? Well, we hear and watch Jesus through the word of God, the Bible. Now, if you have problems with that statement and you're kind of like skeptical of the Bible or you're new to Christianity, you're like, I'm not quite sure. I've heard a lot of sketchy things about the Bible. Good news, we're about to do a seven-week teaching series on this thing, okay? Because all of this starts with hearing. We're going to talk about like, what is this thing? What did God intend? Can we trust it? Is it reliable? What's the story behind it? And how do I read it for change and not just get lost, okay? We're kicking that off in three weeks. So come back in three weeks if you're interested in that stuff. All of this stuff starts with hearing. This is why uh, 2, Timothy 2, uh, 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17 says something like this. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching. It teaches us how to live. This is how God teaches us. For rebuking, it corrects us, right? For rebuking and correction, it says, don't live this way, live that way. And it shows us in the middle of all of that, there's grace, for people who like mess it all up, right? And for training in righteousness, training us to live the righteous life that will lead into rest-filled renewal. This is what the scriptures are for, so that the man or people of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, focusing on that, I just want to hit this for a second. Did you know that God says in his word that through this, you can be complete, God says in his word that through this right here, you can be equipped for every single good work that God has for you to do through the scriptures, through the scriptures. Guys, we will be formed by what has our attention. Your whole life will be formed by what has your attention. Does the news cycle have your attention? Does the Instagram influencer have your attention? What has your attention? Whatever has your attention. Does your job have your attention? Does a messy relationship have your attention? Whatever has your attention will form all of life. And we're just saying, man, if we're going to be formed by Jesus, the word of God has to get a whole lot of attention in our lives. Like we can't expect any of this stuff to happen unless we're in the word. Like in it, in it, in it, in it, in it. The way we've said this before, and then I'll move on. I just have so much I want to say about this. I got seven weeks. <laughs> Make Jesus' voice the loudest voice in your life. Make it the loudest voice in your life. This is the starting place of renewal. Second is trust. This is massive. Trust. Guys, there is a big difference between believing in God 
and trusting God with your life. There is a, a lot of Christians are in the first category. Do you believe in God? Yeah. Do you trust God to lead the whole of your life? Oh my gosh, I never thought about that. There's a big difference between believing in God as some sort of doctrine and actually trusting God with your whole life to form the way that we live. We've got to move from just believing like doctrine to trusting God. This is a move that most Christians need to make from just kind of believing in God in theory to actually trusting that what God says in his word is good and that we can trust that it is for our good if we will obey it. And here's what we know, guys, from the heart of the gospel, that God is trustworthy. Think about this. If while we were sinning and rebelling, God came and died for us to bring us back into life with himself, surely we can trust him to tell us how to live our lives so that we can flourish and find rest and renewing life. Surely when we stick our head through that yoke with Jesus, we can trust that when he turns left, it is for our good. When he turns right, it is for our good. When he stops, it is for our good. When he goes, it is for our good. Trust. This is faith. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Trust. Third is obey. Now if there's a place, if I'm just being honest, that, this, that all of this breaks down in my life, it is right here, okay? I feel like I'm really good at hearing, going like, I'm in the Word, and going, oh, yeah, 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 that's good, but I'm really bad at actually doing it. You know, it's like, oh, that's a good idea. We should actually do this stuff. Um, we do this. We come in here, we dig into our Bible on our own, and it stays up here, like here in trust category. It just stays up there, like it's good in our head, it's good in our heart, trust in it, we read our Bible, and we think that the whole goal of reading our Bible is to have a nice little encouraging word in our heart for the day. And it's like, that's fine, but that's not going to do anything in your life until we learn to actually obey, to practice this stuff. As we said today, Jesus doesn't just want to give us good ideas in theology. He wants to actually change the way we live, form us in our day-to-day lives so that we will find rest and renewal in life. This is why James, over in James chapter 2, says something like this. I'll put this up on the screen. And this, I think this puts us in a new context when you think about it, of hearing and trusting and then actually obeying. He says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such faith save him? And then he goes on to say, do not be hearers of the word only, but be doers of the word. Obey that this stuff would change. We want formation, hearing, trusting that leads to doing, and then finally speaking. This is where it all goes from self-centered growth to other-centered. We take what we've heard and trusted and learned to obey in life, and we begin to speak the word to others. We do this in two contexts, in community. By the way, this is what community groups are for. Community groups are not for us to debate theology and philosophy and ethics and have Bible-like nerd discussions. They're for us to get together and go, I heard this. I'm trusting that it's good. I'm trying to obey it. It didn't go well. Can you tell me like why? Or it went great. Let me encourage you to do this. Like getting in that kind of stuff. This is why all of our discussions are going to be built around hear, trust, obey, speak. 
so that we can start practicing this stuff in our community groups and they're not lame, okay? We gotta see these things change us and press into change. But we also speak this in our city on mission. We speak about how Jesus actually changes our lives for the better. To our friends that don't know Jesus, we say, man, God taught me this in his word. I think it's good. I'm trying it. It's producing fruit of renewal. Like, have you ever thought about Jesus? Like, maybe he's a good solution for the problem, name the problem, that you're feeling. Come to church. I go to the 1030 service. I think it might be good. I'll go with you. You don't have to talk to anybody. They won't make you do anything weird. Speak it. Speak it. Guys, this is all Jesus' disciples did. They heard Jesus. They trusted Jesus. They followed him everywhere. They left everything to follow him. They obeyed Jesus very imperfectly, and Jesus kept giving them second chances and third chances and fourth chances. And then they were sent out to speak the word to the world. And it changed everything. This is not a pipeline where you like do this once and you move on. It's a cycle. Like where we, through the whole of life, hear, trust, obey, speak, hear, trust, obey, speak, over and over. And as we do this, we walk into the renewal that Jesus promised slowly but surely. And our intention as a church leadership team is to make our whole church a formation mechanism. I just have this conviction after only four years of pastoring this church that the church, the one thing the church has to help people do is actually experience life change in following Jesus. And so here's what we do as a church. We gather here to hear the word and trust the word. We do this every week. We're sent out of here on our own to actually work to obey Jesus. This is why every teaching that you, uh, that you uh, hear here will end with a practice. Because we want to actually practice these things in real life. And then we get together in community once a week to speak the word to each other and encourage and spur, spur each other on. We do this at a corporate level. You can also do this at an individual level. You can take this and use it and abuse it however you want. Like, this is yours. It's so, like, it's so, I think it's so helpful. And I think so many of us, can walk into renewal as we practice these things. The only thing we're doing is chasing after personal and citywide renewal through hearing the word, trusting the word, obeying it in real life, experiencing personal renewal over time, and then spreading it as we speak it. It's like, that's all we're doing. This stuff right here. This is all we're doing as a church. All we're asking you to do individually, and we're going to get really technical with all of these things in the coming year, two, two, three years. But in this series, we're just trying to get really practical with renewal. And if you pay attention to this cycle, the lowest common denominator of experiencing all of this stuff is church community. That all of this happens in the context of community. And so what we're asking everybody to do in this series is we're doing one practice for this series. We're asking everybody to either step into community or step back into community, okay? Like we can't do the Christian life alone. And the way we're asking people to do that is simply to fill out the renewal next step card. And I know for some of you, you're like, that's it? It's like, yes, we're gonna get more complicated with these practices and stuff, but this is the starting place. It's like if you're new around here and you're like, man, I wanna get into community for the first time, this is your step. But here's what I know too, 2020 threw all of us off of all of our communal habits, right? And it's like, we're getting back together. If you're online, it's fine. We've got online group options for you. 
we're just asking everyone to fill out this card. Some of you have been here over the past couple of weeks. You've already done it, but others haven't taken this step. But it's really simple. If you're in person, it's in the seat back in front of you. If you're online, you can find it on our website. And first, we're asking everybody to practice the presence of God through gathering here each Sunday. And this part's for you. It's not for us. In fact, I'll probably never even see this, but it's like, I'd like to commit to gathering on Sunday mornings, blank weeks per month. And that's for you to kind of think about, man, like, what are my rhythms for hearing God's word? Not on a personal level, like, we'll get to that, we'll talk about that in our but like, the Sunday gathering is the primary spiritual discipline of the Christian life. Like, if you want to start on this, it's like, that's it. You can check online or in person. It's really simple. But you need to know, like, and this is why we're trying to help you consider this. Like, you couldn't go to the gym two times a month and expect to get some biceps. The same is true in the Christian life, guys. It's like sometimes what we put in and what we expect out, and it's like, this is insane. And we get really disappointed with Jesus, and we get really disappointed in the church and all of these things. But it's like, man, we're going to lean into these habits. I need to stop talking and move on. Formation. We gather in community groups to learn to follow Jesus together. And this is like, I'd like to connect to a group, and you can check recommit. If you're like, man, I want to jump back in, and I need help getting back in, or find a new group. Down here on the bottom, if you're new to Christianity, and you're like, man, I... I don't know anything about Jesus, but I want to have a conversation. I would like to talk to someone about following Jesus. And then down there, I'd like to start Starting Point, which kicks off tomorrow night. It's an intro to our church. Just fill out that card. If you haven't filled it out, fill it out before you leave here. Turn it in down there. And we want to take renewal seriously. This is why we're making this so basic. Because like sometimes when we talk about this stuff, we can go, okay, so we're doing all this stuff, and it's like over like 80% of people's heads, you know? It's like, I can't do that, so we're starting basic. If you're online, I just want to encourage you. I think it's theheightsdenver.com slash renew. You can fill that, in, fill that out, and we'll get with you and help you figure out the next steps you need to take. But man, we want to see God renew us. Baseline. We want to be formed in the ways of Jesus. We want to take this stuff seriously. We don't, we don't want to be like some sort of religious dog and pony show that doesn't actually see life change. That's what we're about. So I'm going to pray for us. We're going to respond through filling out those cards and through singing, and then we'll be sent out of here. Jesus, we love you. We invite you by your Holy Spirit to empower us to obey. We want to hear your word. We want to trust you that your intentions toward us are for our good. We want to determine in the power of the Holy Spirit to obey, and then we want to be sent to speak about the life we have found in Jesus. To other followers of Jesus and to people who don't follow Jesus yet, we want to do that, and so we're leaning in. We're asking you to bless this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and let's respond as the Lord leads us.